The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Genesis chapter number 12. While you're turning there, uh, Brother Caleb mentioned the uh, cards for teens. And as he aptly said, if you know teens in your neighborhood, invite, invite them. They just may not know where they can go. And so invite them. And so uh, just trying to give a, pu- a little push here uh, for the teen ministry ahead of getting into summer. And then the cards for Adventure Camp are out there as well. And so I'd encourage you to have a stock on you. You never know when you're going to see a family at the store or wherever. Just keep um, those, those cards on you. And uh, all the information's on the back. You can, uh, kids can register online already and so forth. So that is, um, that's available. Let's all be ambassadors for... Uh, for our church, ambassadors ultimately for Lord Jesus Christ, but these represent gospel opportunities, right? Every Sunday is a gospel opportunity, every service is a gospel opportunity, but let's be ambassadors in that, in that way. And then th- those cards I was mentioning about the Grenada Bible Project are out there as well at the Welcome Center, so I want to encourage you about that. Mother's Day is this Sunday, and uh, looking forward to preaching a message that will focus on uh, how to recover or coming back from uh, the sense of worthlessness uh, when, you, when you fail. And uh, men and women deal with that, but uh, a lot of times uh, I hear women saying, oh, I just feel, I feel worthless. Now, we're not going to have a man in pers- in, in, as the illustration, or we're not going to have a woman as the illustration, but that's what the, uh, the, uh, the, the message is going to be on. Uh, and so I, I trust that that'll be a blessing. So I encourage you to invite folks to that as well and uh, encourage them about that day. And then uh, Mother's Day evening, uh, Sunday evening, right after the service, kind of just an informal, uh, encourage people to dress a little bit down, and uh, we'll, we'll do uh, some hot dogs on the grill out after the service in the parking lot. And so I encourage you to bring a lawn chair. And so circulate that word around, and we can have a good just uh, little church fellowship after the, um, the, the service. Mothers will uh, receive a gift, as well as we'll have a drawing on Sunday and all that type of fun stuff. So we're looking forward to that. Guys, one more thing. I have a pastor friend of mine down in the Springboro area that's looking for churches to get involved in a softball league that would run through the summer. Um, he, he called me today and he says, do you think your church might be interested? So I'm throwing out to you guys. If you're interested in a softball league, we might even use our field. About Go to six to eight weeks and just uh, several churches getting together. Uh, he's hoping about five churches to get together, uh, be able to form a team and uh, uh, create some fellowship. And also, it's potential that it might happen on like a Saturday evening, a potential opportunity to invite maybe someone from your workplace or someone you know um, and get them around some of the other guys from, uh, from church. So if you're interested in that, let me know. We're going to need uh, 10, uh, Brother Steve, 10, uh, 10 guys to fuel the team or a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and here's how the conversation went with the pastor. I told him I said that maybe we should hire an umpire from outside so it's not one of her own. It's a little bit more authoritative that way. <laughs> so anyway, um, if you're interested in that, uh, let me know. Talk around to the other guys and let me know. That might be some fun as well as a way to uh, reach out. All right, we're at Genesis chapter number 12. And verse number one, where we are going tonight is we have been flying at the 30,000 foot view. We've been trying to really help us understand that the Bible is one story and it's all about redemption and bringing man back into reconciliation with the Heavenly Father. And so that's, that's, that's the total story from start to end. It is a love story from God to you and me. It's an amazing thing. 
and then creation all ends back up with him. And what a blessing that, uh, that, that will be. Now, as we come into this next section uh, of our series, uh, we're really kind of going to get a little bit lower, and we're going to do what is a flyby. Uh, we're going to kind of start taking uh, sections of Scripture and overviewing them. Tonight, we'll look at Genesis and Exodus. Um, as I think about that, oftentimes we live right over by the base, uh, right by Air Force Base, probably a mile away, a little less maybe uh, if the crow flies. And uh, we hear, Reveille, uh, we hear the, the Reveille every, uh, every morning, and we hear the Star Spangled ba- um, Banner every, every, uh, every night out there. And then there are times where it feels like the plane, uh, the planes that they're you know, doing their practice, touch and goes and all that, uh, it feels like the, the C-17 or whatever, uh, whatever's flying around is just flying right over the top of our house. It comes down really low, and they're doing those practice runs. That's, that's amazing. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do a flyby. We're getting down a little bit lower and get into the meat of some of these. And so I hope that by the time we have gone through the Bible in this way, that you really have a, a, a working understanding, at least of, of some of the things that are inside each of the books from a, a little bit more of a bird's-eye view, and I hope that it will be a help tonight. We're looking at Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1. Now look at it with me. Now the, now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, Unto a land that I will show thee. Don't you love how the Lord just says, All right, I want you just to follow me by faith? The Lord call, doesn't so much call from a place, He calls to a place. He's calling to a place, but He had a trust in the Lord uh, as, he, as He made that step. How, how would you like that, uh, ladies? Or uh, your husband says, you know, The Lord's just calling us to a place. It's a specific place, but He's not showing me what the specific place is yet. Uh, kind of unnerving. Verse number two, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families, or all families of the earth, be blessed. And that is a, a promise that's still true, and God is carrying that out even today. And that's where we get this, um, this idea, uh, this truth, this principle that we should bless Israel and that we should pray for the peace of Israel. But God says, hey, you bless them, you're blessed. If you curse them, you're, uh, you're cursed. It's, it's not a wise thing for a country or a people to stand up against uh, the nation of Israel. Fast forward over to uh, chapter 15 and verse number 1. After these things... The word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abram, everything you need is found in me. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is, uh, uh, is mine heir. And he goes on, as, as, as God would lead him through this passage of Scripture, we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but he goes on, and, and God forms a covenant with Abram, a covenant between Almighty God, and think about that, a covenant between Almighty God and sinful man. And we're going to touch on that tonight, but we're going to overview all these things. Let's just pull back for a second. The Old Testament 
essentially shows us that man is a mess without God. I mean, man, uh, man is created, put in a beautiful place, but man chooses to go against God. Man is a mess without God. The Bible tells us that in Luke 24 and verse number 27, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, expounded unto them all the scriptures, uh, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And I just want us to realize right from the get-go, yes, man is a mess without God, but God is leading toward Jesus Christ to revealing Jesus Christ and showing that how that Jesus Christ changes everything. In fact, as we get to the Gospels, we see that exact thing, the life that humanity was created to live, that perfect life, that life that's in union with God, that life that, um, that uh, Adam and Eve had ahead of the fall, that life that man was created to live, the heart humanity was created to have and to know the death that humanity deserves to die, the substitute that humanity desperately needs, all of that we see in the Gospels in Jesus Christ. And what we see in the Gospels, we see that God's grace is viewed up close. It's seen in vivid color in the person of Jesus Christ. As we go further into the Gospels, we see how that uh, the, the product of that, the product of Christ's life in both the human community and within the church and in our personal lives is lived out and played out. The product of Christianity, the product of walking with God, and we see that fleshed out in the Gospels when God's grace is unleashed in our lives and in a, a group of people's lives in a body. And what an amazing thing that that is, how God transforms our lives and brings us together as a group of people, a body, a family uh, that he calls his own body. And uh, he, he died and gave himself for it. It's all about Christ. It's all about his salvation. It's all about redemption. It's all going there. As we come here at the, the outset of Genesis, it's, it's, it's looking that way. It starts amazing. God created everything. He said it's good. It starts out amazing. It gets really bad, and then God just um, begins to show the way all the way through. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a redeemer. It's going to be Jesus Christ, and it's going to be beautiful. It's going to change everything. So let's jump right in uh, after a word of prayer here. Lord, we ask that you would help us to understand these two books as we just overview them briefly tonight. I pray that this would be helpful, instructive. And Lord, I just want to pause right now and ask, as the gospel is taught and preached on this evening in both the Adventure Kids and the teen, uh, teen ministry, I pray that you would be exalted, that you'd be lifted up, and that you would draw hearts to yourself I pray that there would be uh, young people who would trust in you this evening uh, as their Savior, help them understand very clearly uh, what it is that you've done for them and how you want to reconcile them to their, their Creator, to uh, their Heavenly Father. And I pray that you would work in a special way. Bless our time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's think about this. Genesis, and let's give a, 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 a title to it. Genesis it, it reveals to us God as a covenant God, as a covenant God, a God that wants a relationship with us. The big idea of, of Genesis is that, God's, uh, is that God has holy love. It's absolutely perfect love. It's not, it's not twisted in any way. It's absolutely pure love. In fact, our world has a lot of twisted love in it, what they call love, but God's love is holy. And we see that in the book of Genesis. We also see his faithful heart despite humanity's failings. Now think about the fact that God created everything so wonderfully and man messed it up so royally. I mean, it was just a, a disaster when, uh, when man, uh, man made his own choice. It's a long book. There's a lot of stories, some 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. 
uh, there's, there's two main parts that we want to we understand. And before we, uh, we dissect those and break them down, I want us just to realize the first 11 chapters, really, uh, we don't know. God does not say, in this year, I created the heavens and the earth. Uh, I, I tend to believe uh, the earth is somewhere around the 6,000 year, and I know some people are like, oh, that's, I've never heard, uh, heard that idea. I think, thought the, mil- uh, the, the earth was millions and millions and millions of years and all that. Well, that's, that's because uh, we, we are, uh, we've allowed some of the philosophies of the world uh, to, um, to creep into our thinking. But we do find out that, that after the first 11 chapters, this man comes on the scene. Give me the timeline, would you? Uh, this man comes on the scene by the name of Abram, who would later become Abraham. And we understand from some pretty specific dating. I would, I would uh, love to give you the sheet that, um, that breaks all this down, how we get the date 2166 B.C. for the, uh, for the, the year that Abram was, uh, was born. And so we realize that uh, come to chapter number 12, we're, we're beginning to deal with some pretty hard dates uh, in Scripture. And these are, these, are, these are recognized dates. And again, if you're interested in, in diving into that, I can give you those sheets and help, uh, help you with that. Uh, give you a, a one-sheet summary of how some of these date, uh, dates are got. So the last 48 chapters of the book of Genesis begin around 21, uh, 2100 B.C. or 20, uh, 2166, Abraham being born in that year. Jacob was, uh, was born or uh, went down to Egypt in uh, 1876 um, B.C. and 430 years from that, uh, that point is when they came out of Egypt. So these first 11 chapters of Genesis, as we look at them, they're dealing with how God just created the heavens and the earth. It's kind of in sweeping terms. There's a lot of action that goes on in those first 11 uh, chapters. Eternal God created everything, and he called it what? Good. And by the way, after he created woman, he called it what? No, no. No, no, very good, very good. If you've been in any of the, uh, the couples retreats, you realize that it was not good until a man had a help meet or a, 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 a suitable companion for him. And so the, uh, God says everything was good. Now, man immediately chooses a sin. Now think about that. Consider that. Put yourself in that situation. That's amazing to me, but we, pro- we probably would have done the same thing uh, maybe even sooner than Eve. But man uh, immediately chose to sin over God's, over God's goodness, his, all that he had shown to him. He man- immediately chooses sin and his own will. I was thinking about how the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5 that we're not to lean to our own understandings. Well, that's exactly what Eve did. Well, I think this is, this is going to be a good way to go. I think it, it looks good to the eyes. It, it sounds like it would be the right thing for me to do. It sounds like it would be a good step for me to make. It would be good for my, um, for my reputation and so on. So man immediately begins uh, to sin and to um, become separated from God. Now, God said that that would happen. In the day that thou eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt surely be separated. And not only in your spirit between uh, 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 you and me, but physically there would be a death that would come. Uh, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. People ask, well, where uh, where does disease come from? Where did the coronavirus come from? Where does all... The result of sin is everything that we see. Wars, mayhem, disease, all of it is a result of mankind's disobedience against God. God said it would happen 
this way. And so it was a very bad thing. Uh, the Bible says in Genesis 2 and verse 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Did God really say? Isn't that how Satan creeped in? Did God really say? And again today, and throughout all of history, he continues to ask, did God really say that? He questions it constantly. He questions it. And is it any wonder that his word is under attack? Is it any wonder that we're now uh, creating, we're creating Bibles and selling them uh, according to people's uh, gender preference? And according, we're just taking the word of God and twisting it to our own preferences. Is it any wonder who's behind these things? Satan himself. Did God really say? So humanity rejected God's definition of morality, of what was right. They said, I, we know what is good and evil. We'll do what we want. We'll do what is right in our own eyes. Man rejected that. Eve rejected that. We all rejected that in them. And the fall of humanity is traced for 11 chapters, and things go bad very quickly, do they not? Very quickly. Now, think about that. The, the world population exploded. I mean, there are people everywhere, and the Bible says that in the days of Noah, their thoughts were only to do what? Do you remember? Continually to do evil. I mean, their thoughts were just like that. And by the way, uh, that's how things are going to be again. But the Bible says that things were very bad, and so God sends a worldwide flood. Another thing that, that has been pushed back against in our, in our day, and even why uh, the ark encounter is kind of a, a thing that there's been so much pushback. I don't know if I've told you this before, but I had a, 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 an uncle who was a diehard atheist. Uh, Edwin Kagan was a diehard atheist. He grew up in Kentucky. He spent much time before his death protesting the, um, protesting the Ark and the Creation mu um, Museum. He would hold de-baptizing uh, seminars in hotel rooms or in hotel conference, uh, conference centers where he would de-baptize with a hairdryer. Such, uh, such ludicrousy. He would de-baptize with a, with a blow dryer. Just spent his life against Christianity. It's an amazing thing, and it's often an amazing thing for our family to realize that there, uh, there's been two different directions that, that have gone in, in our family. But Edwin Kagan was a man, uh, an atheist, all the way up to, his, up to his death. But these are the things, the, the worldwide flood, oh, they vehemently opposed because if they accepted it as true, it, it, it kind of pulled apart some of their, their arguments. Now, uh, immediately after the flood, God takes this one family, remember? He, uh, after they get off, they sacrifice. And what does God put in the sky? What does a rainbow represent? And not, and not perversion against God. Understand that. I love how um, Brother Ken Ham down, um, uh, down at the ark is putting that out everywhere and trying to rebrand the, uh, re the, uh, the rainbow or take back the brand of the rainbow. That's already God's brand. It's been stolen. And it's a, it's, a wrong, it's a wrong thing. But the fact is, they get off the ark, and within, within weeks, or not weeks, it had to be a little bit longer than that because he had to plant a vineyard. But within just a short amount of time, what happens? He plants a vineyard, Noah does, and he, he uh, takes of the fruit of it. Some of it ferments. Uh, and he starts to drink and is drunk by, the, um, by the, uh, the fruit of the vineyard. 
And there's sin that immediately enters in that family. A family curse comes upon because of the, some of the sin that is, uh, that is mentioned there in the book of Genesis. And, and things again begin to spiral out of control. Can you believe that? God, God resets creation. God resets it all. I mean, he wipes everything out except one family, and he's going to use this one family to, to honor him. And again, man spirals out of control. And what do we learn these stories underscore the fact that the wickedness, the wickedness of the human heart is great without God. It's great without God. Man is incapable of ruling himself and managing creation without God. Man is incapable of that. And that is a message for our country today. We are incapable of self-rule in this country without God. And they want to promote government as our God, but the fact is we are incapable of, moral, uh, of morally upholding uh, right in our country and of ruling ourselves without God. We see anarchy in the streets. In fact, I just, as I was thinking of, uh, of this, uh, John Adams, one of our founding fathers, said this, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to govern uh, uh, of any other. There is no other, there's no other people can govern. And so we wonder why our nation is falling apart. We took the kingpin out. We took God out of the schools. We took God out of the public, school, uh, public square. We take, we take even in our own, even in our own state, uh, just not so many years back, when a preacher stands up, a, 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 a Baptist preacher from the, the state of Ohio stands up and prays in Jesus' name on the house floor, in our own state, and everyone just melts down because Jesus' name was mentioned on the house floor. Even in our, own, in our own city, being asked to not speak the name of Jesus in a prayer. When we think this is all this stuff is out there, no, this is, a, this is a battle that is right here. And so man is incapable of ruling itself without God. Why is there so much pushback against God and Jesus right now? Because man doesn't want it. It, it shows him up and it sh uh, the truth always reveals error and wrong and so we see that in those first 11 chapters man is incapable of ruling himself and doing right without god he is incredibly wicked apart from god we come to chapter number 12 and god takes everything we've learned in those first 11 chapters and he zeroes in on a man with, uh, whom he is going to use to bring into the world a nation who would be his people, who would be the light to the nations, not just so God could have a favorite child. That's not the idea of Israel. Uh, the idea of Israel, he chose them to be a light to the nations as Genesis talks to us about, or as Isaiah talks to us about. And so God begins to deal personally with a man and his family to rescue humanity and to redeem all those that are fallen because of Sin. And so we come to on Genesis chapter number 12, and that's the turning point in the book of Genesis. That's the turning point. And the key verses there that we've already read, verses 1 through 3, uh, Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 1, and God beginning in chapter number 15 to form this covenant with, with Abra uh, Abraham. And Genesis 18 and verse number 18, it says this, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. All the nations were part of that. 
It was through Abraham, it was through Israel that the Messiah came into the world, that the Redeemer came into the world. We're a part of that blessing. Praise God for that. And God answers and fulfills his promises. Now, lest we think that these people are all like really great people, we sometimes glorify everyone in Scripture. They were super Christians, they were super followers of God. Not so. Now let's just think about this family of Abraham because he had Isaac think about Abraham himself. Abraham gives his wife away twice. He goes down into, think about that. I mean, that's that's the reality. He goes down into Egypt. Oh, I'm going to have to give up my life for my wife. Uh, I I think, go ahead. And so he lets another man have his his wife. Uh, Then he sleeps with his, his servant's wife. I mean, he's, not, he's not, not, a, not a really great guy. Jacob lies and steals from his fathers and, he, uh, and his brother. Uh, 12, 12 sons later, after he, finally gets, uh, after he finally gets married to two wives, uh, he has 12 sons, and then he also included his, uh, their two servants, and they have 12 sons, and then they have this uh, Joseph, the 11th son, and he's the favorite Father's playing favorites, all right? He's a favorite of Jacob, and so that makes some other family tensions beyond the other issues that were going on in his family. They hate Joseph. They hate Jacob, their father, so much that they would sell Joseph to a, a band of uh, Midianites going down, uh, going down to, uh, uh, to Egypt and sold him into slavery. Joseph goes from uh, down into Egypt. He is bought by um, Potiphar, uh, he then is accused by Potiphar's wife. He's thrown into prison, and he goes from prison all the way up into the palace, and he's second in command in Egypt. What an amazing turn of events. But it is these people that had scandal and problems all the way through that God cares about. Jacob, when he was blessing his sons in Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 18, when he was blessing his sons, he comes down and he says this, this, this statement. I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. The first time that the word salvation appears in Scripture is here. I've waited for thy salvation. And this group of people, chapters 1 through 11, that are a mess without God, and then we have this family that is a mess. God is teaching us we need him. We need his salvation And in fact, there's a picture before you get out of the first book of the Bible. There's a beautiful picture of the Redeemer, and it's found in Joseph himself. Joseph, who was was in slavery and and left that and went into into the palace, and by the way, was sold for money by his brothers. He was betrayed. He is a picture of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. During famine, he ends up saving his whole family because he went as a prisoner into Egypt, into the uh, picture of the world. He pictures redemption through Jesus Christ. God transformed their evil into something very good. And did not that happen at Calvary? God transformed what was evil, intended for evil by Satan, into something that was very, very good salvation for all of us who are here tonight. And so Genesis provides us with a foundation, a foundational framework, a foundational understanding of who we are, where we came from, what's wrong with us. Have you ever asked somebody, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Genesis helps us understand what's wrong with us. We are inherently sinful. No one had to teach us to sin. We are inherently, we we have a sin nature. Uh, Who God is, the creator, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I was talking to Brother Snyder earlier last week, and he said, what's the most important verse in the Bible? 
not John 3.16. It's Genesis 1.1. Why? Because if, if you don't have that, nothing else in the Bible matters, right? It's, it's the foundation. Genesis is the foundation. I love what Brother Caleb's doing right now. He's been going th- um, for weeks upon weeks with the teens through the book of Genesis. Why? Because Genesis isn't being taught in the public schools. And sometimes it's not even understood in, in, in our own churches. It's, it's such an incredibly important book. We learn who God is, how he relates to us, what his eternal pro- uh, plan is for us, what his eternal promises are for us, and why we're here, what we're doing, where we're going. It all starts in the book of Genesis. It's why, and I, I'm, I've mentioned this a couple of times, it's why uh, God has used and blessed uh, Brother Ken Ham's ministry answers in Genesis. It goes back to this. It's a, such an important thing, especially in our day. So it behooves us to know the book well, to study it, and so on. Genesis gives us a worldview that lays a foundation for the rest of the Bible. I'm just going to go through, on through these, these thoughts. Genesis gives us an understanding that redemption will result from covenants of God, not the behavior of man. And we'll get to that, and I'll, I'll illustrate that in a moment uh, with what God did with, with Abraham. But it would be the covenants of God, not the behavior of man. Salvation, redemption would not be through the works of man. We learn that from the very early chapters, as I mentioned on Sunday, with, uh, with, uh, with Abel and Cain. It would not be the works of man. It would be by a blood, um, blood sacrifice, a substitutionary sacrifice. Genesis clearly establishes the deep flaws of humanity and that our only hope is in God's grace. Man is a mess without God. Genesis is an early account of God's ultimate dependability, his faithfulness, man's absolute sinfulness, and his absolute brokenness before God. We can do nothing to save ourselves. We can do nothing to heal what is, what is broken. And I'm going to end with this tonight because I think we'll, we'll go too, on, on too long if we jump into Exodus. Is that all right? We'll, um, we'll save Exodus for another time. So let me, uh, let me put it this way. We said that Genesis is covenant God. What's, what's covenant? We don't use that often. We use it in the idea of, of marriage uh, oftentimes. But think of these two words, loving and legal. Loving and legal. I love you so much, I am legally going to obligate myself to you. And that's what God did. I mean, our salvation, we are positionally, I am, thank God that I'm justified. That's a positional truth right there. I'm justified before him. He is legally, he's legally removed my record. If you remember the illustration uh, uh, several months back, he's legally removed all the sin out of my file folder and he put it at the cross. He took Jesus Christ's righteousness and he put it inside my file folder and I'm legally justified before him. What a, what a blessing that, he, that is. He loves me so much that he'll do that for me. Except I'm broken. I can't do anything to merit that. I can't work for it. I can't do anything to merit that. And so God is so loving and man is so broken by sin that God chooses to hold up both sides, both sides of this. He provides it to us freely. We simply accept it by faith. Now you say, where is that illustrated? How do you see that in the book of Genesis? I want you to go back to Genesis chapter number 15 and we're gonna close out with this. Genesis chapter number 15. I'm gonna read a verse and I'm gonna explain what's going on here. Genesis chapter number 15. Remember it says there in verse number one, and after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. He goes on, he promises an heir. 
Even though you're old, Abram, Abram, you're going to have an heir. And verse number six, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. He had faith that the Lord would come true. He renews the covenant. But then in verse number 12, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram and lo, a whore of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and they shall afflict them for a hundred years. And also that nation, speaking of Egypt, whom they shall serve will I judge, speaking of the plagues, and afterward they shall come out with great substance, speaking of on that, that night when they, they borrowed all that jewelry and all those different things from the Egyptians, and they went out with great, great spoil. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age, but in the fourth generation they shall come hither, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I've had people ask me, why did God, why did God send Israel into the land of Canaan and tell them to take out Jericho and take out Ai and all the other. It wasn't that unjust of God. Right here's the reason. God gave them 400 years to repent as a, as a group of people, the Amorites, in, in that land. He gave them 400 years to repent and turn back to God. They did not. And so God, uh, during, while God was dealing with his people in, in Egypt, while they were in bondage, God was giving them space and grace to turn to, uh, to their creator God. And they did not. And the act of bringing uh, the Israelites into the, the land of Canaan and judging uh, Jericho and those other nations that was fully justified and warranted uh, uh, in, in the sight of God. And so as we, as we move on, look at verse number 17. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. I skipped reading up in verses 7 uh, through number 11, but here's what's going on. God is going to create or uh, to to confirm a a covenant with Abraham, and in those days, in the Eastern times, they would they would have a bullock, they would have a bullock, and they uh, and part of the the making of that covenant would be the two parties passing in in between those two halves. Kind of gross, right? We don't do that today. Aren't you thankful we don't have uh, uh, two bullocks halved at a wedding altar? Like, all right, not, I mean. Aren't you thankful for that? It, but that's how, uh, that's how they would do it in, the, in those days. So according to the ancient Eastern manner of making these covenants, both the contracting parties pass between the divided piece of slain animal, thus symbolically attesting that they pledged their very lives to the fulfillment of the engagement they had just made. Now in Genesis 15, I want us to notice, look at verse number 17 with me. And it, and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Abraham, Abraham, Abram is watching, observing, but who passes through? God himself passes all the way through. I want us just to realize the, the beauty of the picture that is going on in this, this covenant making. Abraham can't, he can't hold up his side. Abraham is completely broken. But God, because he loves us so much, has done both. All that needed to be done is it needs to be accepted by faith. It's the same thing. Jesus went all the way for us. We don't continue to add on to his sacrifice. 
We can do nothing to, um, to, to make and improve on his sacrifice. He went all the way. He went all the way, friends, tonight, and we get to simply accept it by faith. What a great God. And in the first book of the Bible, this is being played out, that man is not going to be saved by his own effort and self-work and his own goings uh, and, and, and his own effort, but it would be God's covenant that would, that would bring uh, reconciliation to mankind. So, in Genesis chapter 15, God alone, whose presence was symbolized by a smoking furnace and a lamp of fire, passed through the midst of the pieces of the slain animal. Well, Abram was simply a spectator of this wonderful exhibition of God's free grace. Praise God. Praise God. And he shows that to us right in the first books. Pictures of this. And uh, it's an amazing thing. As we jump into uh, the book of Exodus, we're going to see how God redeems his people out of, out of great bondage. Let's just pray and ask God and thank God really uh, for being such a great God and turning things right around from the get-go. Father, thank you uh, for the book of Genesis. And I pray that we, you would help us to see you as, as such an awesome, wonderful, loving God who comes to restore us in all of our brokenness and our sin and our shame. Lord, you don't just give up on us. You, you come to us and you, you care for us. You bring us back to yourself. And thank you for the picture, even in Abraham, how you, you brought him and that through him you, uh, you redeemed all, uh, you made a way for all mankind to be redeemed through the person of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, help us as we continue to learn of these things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.